The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Gabby, and welcome back to What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabby. I'm the founder of What's Gabby Cooking. I'm a best-selling author. I have a line of products at Williams Sonoma, and now I'm a podcast host. What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine is your one-stop shop for all your food-related questions, especially during quarantine. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry. Sky's the limit. Sometimes we'll have guests, sometimes we won't. And every episode, I'm going to highlight a super cool small business that's doing awesome things in terms of home delivery, since we're all limiting the amount of time we go out to the grocery store. So without further ado, this is What's Gobby Cooking in Quarantine. Hey, everybody. How are we all doing today? It has been a minute since we've left the house. It's been raining in LA for a lot of the last week. And I just downed the last of my two cookies. Thomas just had a coffee. Things could get weird around here. We're really hyped up. Anyways, I hope everyone is thriving and hanging in there and doing their best in this weird situation. Your guys' phone calls are giving me life. So let's get straight into it and hear what's going on out in the world. Hi, Gabby. My name is Emmy. I live in Los Angeles. I am tired of eating canned soup. And I'd really love to cook something. I'd love to cook one of your recipes. I have a bunch of random ingredients. I couldn't find canned beans and canned tomatoes. The last time I went to the grocery store, I wanted to make your chili, one of your chilies, either the veggie one or the one with ground meat. I also couldn't find ground meat. So I have rice, I have pasta, I have chicken sausage, I have a little grilled chicken left. I have coconut aminos randomly. I have some oils. Um, frozen veggies. So if you can think of anything to do with those random assortment of ingredients, I would love to get your thoughts. Um, Thank you. Look forward to hearing from you. Bye. Hi, Emmy. Hope you are doing great here in Los Angeles. Um, This is a great question. And I feel like these are my favorite putting together random ingredients from everyone's pantries into a meal. So I don't have a recipe for what I'm about to tell you on what's got to be cooking, but I think I can walk you through it pretty much step by step. So I would take your rice, your chicken sausage, your coconut aminos, whatever kind of oil you have on hand and some of those frozen veggies and make a stir fry. So I would start by, if you have an onion or garlic, I would start by sauteing some garlic and onion in some olive oil. I would cook the rice separately and then cook the chicken sausage, kind of like take it out of the casing and just like give it a, give it a zhuzh and brown it up on all sides add the frozen veggies and cook those until they're kind of caramelized. Once the sausage and the veggies have a nice caramelized crust on them, you could add the cooked rice and your coconut aminos. If you have any sesame oil, you can add that in there and just cook everything until it's a little crispy and throw an egg on it. Like throw a scrambled egg on it, a fried egg on it. You could add a scrambled egg into the stir fry mixture if you wanted to make fried rice. That sounds incredible. In fact, I might put a fried rice recipe on the blog any day now. Maybe we'll add bacon to it because I don't have any chicken sausage, but I do have bacon. So that's what I would do. And I feel like that way you get to use all the vegetables that are in your freezer and you get a lot of nutrients without having to go to the store. Thomas, any thoughts? No thoughts. Do you love fried rice? I do love fried rice. 
Do you love fried rice with bacon? I don't think I've ever had fried rice with bacon, but like a kimchi fried rice with bacon sounds delicious. Tonight might be your night. Thanks, Emmy. Okay, who's next? Hey, Gabby. This is Caroline from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I was calling to ask about frozen vegetables. I usually buy fresh, but have stocked up on some frozen ones and I'm kind of um, in a rut for how to cook them for the best tasting. So like broccoli, green beans, peas, corn, etc., and canned tuna. Um, do you have any suggestions for tuna or tuna salad? Thanks so much for doing this. Bye. Hi, Caroline. Thank you for calling in and asking this super important frozen vegetable question because I feel like we've all been using frozen veggies maybe way more than usual. I mean, I know I have. Here's the thing about frozen veggies. There's lots of things to talk about. Most frozen vegetables are like blanched or something before they're frozen. So companies that sell frozen vegetables, they pick the veggie at the peak of ripeness and then they blanch it and then they dry it and then they freeze it. So most vegetables that you're buying should have a decent amount of flavor to them. So you don't really have to cook them per se. Like if you boil frozen broccoli for 10 minutes, you're going to overcook it. So what I like to do with frozen veggies are take them out of the bag, put them on like a paper towel lined baking sheet or something and let them thaw and blot off all the moisture as possible. And then I either like to douse them in olive oil and roast them in the oven to kind of like caramelize them up just a bit, like high heat quick or throw them into a stir fry or something, like I said a couple minutes ago, like add some oil to a pan, stir them until they get that caramelized coating on them and then use them. Okay, one thing that I also saw recently, you know that roasted Trader Joe's frozen corn that everyone's obsessed with? It's like impossible to find right now. I had a bag of corn in my freezer recently. It was not roasted, it was just plain corn. And I took it out, let it thaw, put it on a baking sheet and then broiled it in the oven for five minutes and it charred all the corn perfectly and I was able to fold it into tacos and a couple bowls and it gave it so much flavor. I also put a little olive oil on it and taco seasoning because it just amps everything up. Those are my two tips. What are your thoughts on adding like garlic powder or onion powder or minced ginger to any of these dishes because the actual food is just like difficult to come by and people probably have one of those things in their pantry right now. How would you approach that? Because you're saying just like frozen broccoli is bland. I agree with you. So I think that's a great idea. If you're going to go the saute method and just put like some oil in a skillet and saute whatever thawed, blotted frozen veggies you had on hand, all for adding some seasoning. I mean, a lot of people are going to be like anti-garlic powder. I know some like big chefs are anti, but here's the thing. We're in the Corona times and anything goes. So heat up some oil, saute the veggies and season them. Like add garlic powder, onion powder, cumin, chili powder, cilantro, basil, whatever it is that you have on your pantry. Like think of a flavor profile you want. We've been doing a lot of Mediterranean flavored things because A, I just feel like we have to travel through our kitchen and B, that's one of my go-to profiles. So I'm all for adding some stuff like that into your into your stir fries and mixtures because we don't all have onions on hand. I always have onions on hand and I haven't had any for a week. And what would you do with canned tuna? I'm sure, I mean, you've got a bunch of creative ideas around it. So let's hear them. I want to hear your idea first. Well, my idea isn't a what's Gabby cooking recipe. It's something that I had as a kid. I would ask for it every year for my birthday dinner from like five years old to 12 years old. And it was my grandma's tuna casserole. And I don't really remember what the ingredients of it are, but 
What I do remember is I got a, we would crunch up a bunch of potato chips and sprinkle them on the top. So like my job as a kid was to sit on the bag of potato chips and crush them down. And then we got to sprinkle them on the top of the casserole and it was super delicious. Gabby hasn't had it yet, but what would you do? Wait, what was in the tuna casserole? I don't know. A lot of creamy things. The texture wasn't thick, but it wasn't like soupy. And I just remember the top crispy layer of potato chips and I'm guessing some sort of cheese, but I'll have to to look it up and we'll have to recreate it. So this sounds to me, I'm going to tell you my tuna ideas, but I also need to tell you about chicken divan because this sounds a little bit like the chicken divan my mom used to make. I bet your tuna noodle casserole or tuna casserole had a cream of mushroom or cream of chicken soup mixed into it, right? Thomas doesn't know. He's just shaking his head. Um, Okay. So back in the day when we were living in Tucson, my mom used to make this dish called chicken divan. And the recipe does not exist on What's Gobby Cooking. It might need to have a comeback, but here is how we're going to, we're just going to go for it. And then we'll talk canned tuna. You need a nine by 13 glass baking sheet, and you're going to cover the bottom of it with frozen peas and frozen corn. No need to thaw. Then you're going to take a rotisserie chicken, canned chicken, whatever you have, and spread that on top of the frozen vegetables. Then you're going to boil off some pasta. Any like short pasta will work like elbows, like macaroni style, uh, bow ties, whatever you have on hand, boil off some of that and coat the chicken. And then (laughs) you're going to combine a can of cream of chicken soup and a half a cup of mayonnaise, stir it together with some salt and pepper. Thomas is literally gagging and slather it on top of the pasta and then add mounds of shredded cheddar cheese on top or Colby Jack or Pepper Jack, whatever floats your boat and bake it at 350 degrees until the cheese is crispy. And honestly, Anya and I used to fight over who got the last piece. Anya's my sister for everybody listening, but it was so good. And I think you could do the exact same thing with tuna and make it a tuna noodle casserole, like a tuna divan. (laughs) Other ideas for canned tuna. If you have a very sad looking avocado that's about to pass its peak, I would smash up the avocado, add a little bit of lemon juice, salt and pepper, and the tuna, and then slather it on a piece of toast or something like that. So it's a little bit of, it's like a little pop of freshness. I think the key with canned tuna is to add something that isn't canned. Like for example, the avocado, the lemon, fresh herbs, a basil vinaigrette. I made a tuna melt recently and it was literally just some leftover bruschetta that I had from like a jar, the canned tuna and like a lot of cheese. And I broiled it in the oven for a couple of minutes until the cheese melted and it was delicious. But I think it was like the sweetness from the bruschetta paired with the tuna that gave it the flavor. Okay, let's see what other colors we have. Hi, Gabby. My name is Lori and I'm from Boston. And I was going to make your mushroom flatbread pizza. And instead of buying puff pastry, I bought phyllo dough. Um, I bought two packages. So we made it anyways. It turned out wonderful. But I'm wondering, what can I do with the other phyllo dough package that I have? And next time I'll be sure to buy puff pastry. Thanks. Hi, Lori. Thanks for calling in. So pumped to talk about phyllo dough. I feel like phyllo dough doesn't get the amount of love that it deserves. Off the top of my head, there's a coconut chocolate baklava recipe on Wapskabi Cooking that is truly life-altering if you wanted to make that and you had coconut and chocolate and butter on hand. Another cool thing you can do with phyllo dough is you can put 
one sheet down, brush with butter, another sheet, brush with butter, blah, 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 like five or seven times and then sprinkle it with your favorite seasoning on top. Like if you've got, this is everything or anything, any, any like everything bagel type seasoning, cut it into crackers and then you bake it. Those are incredible. You can also use it to kind of line any sort of bake. Like if you were going to make like a you could use it to line like a quiche, like to kind of be the crust of a quiche, or you could use it like spanakopita style and stuff it with some sort of spinach pie, like a taco pie, anything like that, that you wanted to turn into something with a crispy crust, I think is fair game. Okay, who's next? Hi, Gabby. This is Jessica. I'm a follower and I have one of your cookbooks. I would love to know how to store lettuce um, and also like zucchini and maybe a couple of other like of the main, uh, I guess the kidney and lettuce are my specific questions for longevity and to make sure they stay fresh as possible. I also get a CSA and I'm always wondering about what the best way is to store greens like lettuce, kale, um, shard, and then zucchini. Thank you so much. Hi, Jessica. Oh my gosh. This is such a great question. And we probably should have started the show with this because I feel like this applies to so many people right now. Let's just get right into it. Lettuce. When you're buying lettuce or when it's being delivered to you or however you're getting your lettuce these days, lettuce only lasts for like mm, eight to 10 days in the fridge if you're really lucky. So you got to store it properly. What I like to do is if there are any like really sad looking leaves, peel them off right away, discard them just so you have a really beautiful head of lettuce and then store them in a paper towel lined dish or like Tupperware, snapware, whatever it is. And the paper towel is going to wick away any moisture that's given off by the vegetable. This is the same thing when you're doing berries blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, blah, blah, blah. The paper towel is going to wick away any of the moisture so it doesn't cause the lettuce to get soggy or like slimy. You know, when you we have like a bag of spinach and then like some get slimy and then 12 minutes later you look and like the whole bag slimy or something like that. The paper towel is going to eliminate that. So any sort of green, that's how I store mine. In terms of like zucchini and broccoli and all that other kind of stuff. I store most of it just right in the fridge. And a lot of these fruits and vegetables, I don't wash until right before using them because it can really cause them to go bad faster. So for example, broccoli, I keep it in the fridge for about five days, just right in the crisper drawer. And then when it's time to cook, I scrub it and use it. Zucchini stays for about one week in the fridge. Winter squash, you don't have to put in the fridge. It stays totally good in a cool, dark place for weeks on end. Same with onions. You just want them to be in a cool, dark place. Tomatoes. I feel like as we start to get into tomato season, a lot of people think you should put tomatoes in the refrigerator. Tomatoes never belong in the refrigerator. They lose all their flavor. So if you have your tomatoes on your counter and they're starting to get a little wrinkly, make tomato confit. It's a recipe on my website. You can use it for any number of applications and it's a great way to use up little baby tomatoes before they go bad. The other thing to keep in mind when you're storing produce, there are some pieces of fruits that produce like a gas. For example, avocados and bananas are that are produce this gas. So you don't want to keep them next to other things because it can cause things to ripen faster. What else? Should we just run through a few other vegetables? Thomas has a thought. 
I have a question. So what do you do? What do you like to do with the vegetables that are about to go bad? Basically, they're about to expire and you don't want to waste them. What are you going to do with those types of vegetables? So any leafy greens that are looking a little bit past their prime, but haven't started to smell yet or look slimy, I would throw them all into a big skillet with some olive oil and some garlic and saute and basically make like, for example, wilted spinach or anything like that. There's actually a recipe on my site for um, like a chili garlic kale, but you could do it with any greens. You could do it with spinach. You could do it with chard. You could do it with kale. You could do it. I'm trying to think of something else. Like anything kind of goes. I think the key is to just keep your eyes on things. And as you see them starting to wilt or get a little like not cute anymore because vegetables are very cute usually, use them. And Thomas and I will roast vegetables in bulk and then put those in the fridge because we've already cooked them. They're going to, it's going to extend their life a couple days longer, stuff like that. Um, I want to run through a couple other vegetables that we've been getting in our CSA recently that I feel like other people might be as well, how to store them. So we got turnips. We haven't bought turnips in years before. When you get turnips or radishes or anything like that, you want to cut off the greens and discard those or turn them into a pesto or something or wilt them down like you would the kale. Those can stay in your fridge for one week. Sweet potatoes, probably one to two, maybe three weeks in a cool, dark place at room temp. Garlic stays in a cool, dark place at room temperature. Apples can stay in your fridge for up to one month. Just wash them really well before you eat them. Carrots. I like to trim the greens off of carrots and keep those in the fridge for about two weeks. And then again, wash them before you use them. Peppers stay good in the fridge for about a week. Butternut squash can stay on your counter. And I already said garlic, but garlic and ginger and onions can stay on your counter. I think that just about covers it. Let's talk about a cool company this week, right? I don't know about you guys, but I was struggling to find avocados for a very long time during the first three weeks of quarantine. And that made me really sad. So I did some digging and there is a company here in California that delivers all across the nation, the good old US of A. It's called CaliforniaAvocadosDirect.com and you can buy all the avocados from them. They have this incredible farm down in San Diego. They grow many different varieties and you can buy them to be delivered right to your door. You can get packs of six, you can get packs of nine, you can get a monthly subscription of 12 avocados, which honestly I think feels what like what I need to do. <laughs> you can have them shipped to yourself. You can have them shipped to your friend. And the cool thing about this company is when they ship them to you, they're literally just picked. So they're going to be rock hard when you get them which is great because then they'll ripen on your counter. No one can manhandle them at the store. And as soon as they start to get a little darker and softer, that's when you use them and make guacamole or whatever it is you want to make. CaliforniaAvocadosDirect.com. They're amazing. I can personally vouch for them. You should definitely order from them. All right, that's it for today's What's Gobby Cooking in Quarantine podcast. Be sure to tune in Monday, Wednesday, Fridays for the foreseeable future while we are in quarantine. If you have any questions you want answered, give us a call. Our number is 888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you have a cool small company that you want to see highlighted that is delivering nationwide, just drop me a message. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to and follow along with me and Thomas on Instagram, What's Gobby Cooking and What's Thomas Eating. And for more recipes, check out whatsgobbycooking.com and I will talk to you guys soon.